Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver Bohm, your host. And today I'm talking to Katie Sroka. And Katie's a women's coach. And more importantly than that, Katie is someone who has come out of an emotionally abusive marriage. And she's going to shed some light on what the experience was like for her, how she realized she was in it, and how she rebuilt herself afterwards. This may be a tough episode for some of you because you may realize that, holy shit, I too am in an abusive relationship, or for you guys listening, holy shit, I may be perpetuating one, or you may be in one yourself. It goes both ways. So please listen to this with an open heart and open ears. And if it triggers you and you need some help, please reach out for that. And if you find yourself in a relationship that doesn't feel authentic and healthy and good, please take the steps necessary to take care of yourself in that situation as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie Sroka. Katie Sroka, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I'm honored to be here, Trevor. Amazing, amazing. For people who don't know you or where you are, tell us in the world where you live. And then if you would, I know it's like a shitty kind of elevator pitch question, but what are you building, birthing, or doing in the world that's fascinating? Tell us. Sure. So I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I am a women's coach, and I help self-aware women discover their true selves through self-discovery and connecting to their hearts. I feel so many people are disconnected from themselves and I help them rediscover what brings them joy and happiness. Mm. For like the street version of that, you know, so I get it. I know what you do. I understand what you do. How does that look like in more practical terms? Like for who comes to you and then how do they walk away after working with you? I think it's a wide range of who comes to me. Uh, Mostly I find that women talk about how they want freedom in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that depends on the individual, what that really means. But ultimately people are so afraid of doing what they want in life because of what others are going to think of them and that judgment. So it's really kind of building that self-confidence to go after what they want and not worry about others' opinions. Do you think that's freedom? To me it is. Yeah. (laughs) Say more about that. Why is that freedom? I think we're just so held back by society and what our family thinks of us and what our friends think of us that we don't truly do what our heart desires. Mm. And so once we get rid of that, the judgment of others and the shame that we might feel, that's, that's freedom to me to really right. to live out what you want and what's most important to you. And then how do you see that playing out? Like with the women who come work with you? What are some of the things that they've gone on to do or go on to do? Or even if it's not like a do statement, go on to be. It's more just about gaining a lot of self-worth and confidence. And for some people, that's just changing careers because they feel like they have to do what their parents expected of them or because they spent so much money going to school for a certain thing and then they realize it's not what they want. Yeah. It's just being true to yourself. Brilliant. 
I'm going to ask a kind of loaded question, but I'm just going to assume, since I don't know you that well, that this is how you've been since birth. You were just fully actualized and living out of your heart and doing exactly what you wanted. So can you tell us what it was like to grow up and live that way? Oh, hell no, that was not me. <laughs> no, I, it was probably the opposite. And it wasn't okay. until I went through a divorce two years ago where I really mm. discovered who I was and came into my own. Okay. That seems to be a very uh, common, let's say, entry point for a change in consciousness or a shift in, in everything, right? Uh, why do you think it is that divorce specifically uh, becomes this point or becomes this catalyst for people to make such profound change? I think a lot of times when people go through something so painful, they're forced to look internally at what it is they really want and desire. Yeah. If they allow that, not everyone does. Some people, you know, they suppress the pain and then they continue to go through the same patterns. Um, but I knew I just didn't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. So I went through and really took a deep dive into what was going on in my life and how I was feeling and just what was going on, what I thought about myself and really had to make a shift. Would you be open to just sharing a little bit about that experience with people? Absolutely. Where do you want me to start? How did you feel in your marriage? Ooh, I now say I was happy enough. Okay, what's um, that mean? I was miserable. Oh, oh. <laughs> but I thought <laughs> I really was happy. Sound happy enough. <laughs> right, but I thought it was happy, right? Because I kept, I kept pretending, and I kept, you know, on the outside, it looked like I had a happy marriage. Mm. But there was, I just, there was a lot of lack of support and emotional presence. So yeah, I think that's why I just, I just say I'm, I was happy enough because I was going through the motions of what okay. people expected. What were you starving for? Mm, love, attention. Attention mostly. There wasn't much presence available. What does that mean? So when, and I'm asking that because a lot of this, this is one of the only platforms I have that's male dominant in the engagement. And so when a lot of guys hear that, they're like, well, what the fuck? I was there. Like I was there the entire time or I was working. How could I have been present? Can you define just for us, what was it, what was it like for you in both the, the reality and then the feeling state? Sure. So you could physically be there. And so that's probably why men think they're there, but yeah. emotionally he was not. So an example was he'd come home from work, ask me how I was doing, how my day was, but then he'd open his phone, he'd open his computer and start emailing. So he wasn't there with me emotionally to even listen to my response Uh, or we'd be just watching TV together. And he thought we were, we were together, but there was no communication and there's no connection. It's felt like I was just, you know, towards the end, it just felt like I was living with a stranger, to be honest. It went from husband to I now I'm living with a roommate to now I'm living with a stranger. Yeah. Did, did, did you ever check in with him on that experience? It's like, Hey, Remember when we got married, it felt like we were a married couple and now it kind of feels like we're roomies and, or it did. And now it kind of just feels like two humans occupying the same space. Was there ever a conversation for him to kind of share his experience with you or or is that just a no-go? It was really hard to talk to him, no matter what I brought to the table and how I said it. He always felt like it was an attack. Mm. So there was a point where I did sit down. And I was crying and just saying, I'm so worried about us because I don't know what's happening. Right. Um, but because I didn't have a solution, he didn't like that. So I was met with anger, which is typically anytime I came with 
how I was feeling or to check in with him, it was met with anger. So mm. it's just really pretty impossible to share what was going on with me. Yeah, imagine if, you, if you're just getting shut down over and over, then one, it's not an encouragement to keep doing it. But two, that's got to feel like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing some of that. And then what was the process of you deciding to leave the marriage? I reached a point where I felt like I was drowning. I was crying almost every day. Um, uh-huh. And he didn't care. Like I would just be in the other room blowing my eyes out and he would just be sitting there. He wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't talk to me. Yeah. And I was like, this cannot, how, how do people live like this? This can't be, yeah. I can't be the only woman who can't communicate with her husband either. Right. So of course I'm Googling his behavior, which that's a red flag. <laughs> if you have to Google your <laughs> husband's behavior, <laughs> pay attention to that one, ladies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> how do I communicate with a man who does this? Like, fuck. Yeah. That's just not the best sign. Yeah. yeah so it's terrible. Um, but one thing that happened is I am really into energy healing. So Mm -hmm. I booked this pranic healing session for myself and I didn't tell the woman a lot of what was going on. It was just, I'm having a really hard time in my marriage. I feel like I know what I need to do, but my head's not there. So she did this whole head heart connection. And afterwards, it was after that session, I think the very next day I was going for a walk and I asked myself how I would feel if I left him. Yeah. And I said, I would feel free. And I smiled Mm -hmm. And that for me was the turning point of leaving. Yeah. Um, but there was so much before that, just like, just feel, I just, I felt miserable and I was just crying. And right before he'd come home from work, I get this terrible gut feeling because I didn't uh, want to see him. I didn't know how he was going to act. And he even told me at one point he hated coming home from work because he didn't know how I was going to act. So we just had this wow. constant, terrible polarity between us. Yeah. It doesn't sound fun for anybody. No. Right. I, I know this is your, and I'm looking at it from a guy's perspective and tend to err on the male side just to give it consideration that I don't think it's given often, uh, especially with a divorce, both because my ex-wife left and I know the statistics of eight out of 10 divorces are female led. And I'm so curious about that. If I'm so curious about that, if three of the four, if three guys should have left and didn't, right? And are just like, no, guys don't leave. And if that's the issue, or if when we get in relationship, or like the flip side of that, and I'm just throwing this out there as an example or opportunity or an idea, is do women have an unrealistic expectation of what marriage should be? And so, or is there somewhere in the middle, which I think there is, that it is um, that, that, that we exist or that these situations happen in? And I would imagine that women are more of like the canaries in the coal mine of the relationship of you're going to feel it sooner and more heavily if there's an issue with the intimacy than, than most men, not all men, but with most men. I'm curious, and, and I know he's not here to defend himself, and I don't want to make this sound like an attack, but it's your, your ex-husband also feels like and sounds like a very archetypal man of this, like what the situation you just described to me, I'm not like, no, I can't even imagine this. I've never heard this before. (laughs) It's more like, yep, hear this pretty much five times a day. Mm -hmm. For a man like your ex-husband, let's just say, not your ex-husband, but a man like him, what's the starting point for that man to realize that when you're 
unhappy, your challenge, the relationship's challenge, that it's not an attack. How does a man, in your opinion, I have my own, transition from, holy shit, my woman's unhappy, let me sit with her and get the truth of this, as opposed to, oh, fuck, she's unhappy, it's my fault, god damn it, fuck this, I'm shutting down. That question makes sense. I feel like I just rambled for seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think he, men like that are just totally in their ego, right? Because no matter, and I went to therapy, I read books, I read countless articles on how to communicate to him and it didn't matter how I said it, it was an attack. So I think that's just extremely ego-based. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of insecurity is there. Mm. And it was just always me, me, me and not taking accountability for his own feelings and not mm-hmm. feeling his own feelings, Right, I think was huge. It was just too scared to have emotions. Mm. That's how Because they're it. so unfamiliar? Yeah. Or maybe they were shut down at home. Like for right. me growing up, our emotions were kind of like, no, you're fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. So it was even hard for me to express my feelings. Yeah. So is this the group of people that you get most now is women who are coming out of challenged relationships? I have a lot of women reach out to me about it. Yeah. For sure. Um, I wouldn't say most of my clients are that though. And why do they reach out to you specifically for it? I think it's more, if I talk about it, it's like, oh, me too. (laughs) Um, Or I feel that. Or, okay, that's what that name is. Like For me, a lot of um, emotional abuse was an entirely new concept to me. So I had to learn all about it and just just hearing like gaslighting um, and silent treatment that there were words to his behavior really helped a lot. So I think Mm -hmm. just talking about that, women are like, oh yeah, I've experienced that too. I didn't realize it's an actual thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you classify your marriage as emotionally abusive? Yes. Okay. So now we're in a different category. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's not, those words are challenging. They come with weight. Uh, and they come with a lot of energy. For people listening, can you describe some, because what you just described sounds like to me a challenged marriage mm-hmm. and a challenged relationship and perhaps just a challenged period in a relationship, but it by itself doesn't necessarily constitute, in my mind, abuse. Can you walk us through some of the other elements that would lend you to say that it was emotionally abusive? Sure. So like I mentioned earlier about just trying to express my feelings and I was met with anger, there was a lot of rage, uh, a lot of screaming, a lot of slamming doors Gotcha. on his end. Um, There's a lot of (laughs) gaslighting. This is not your behavior? No. (laughs) I was like, stop acting like a 13-year-old girl who slammed the door. Jesus. (laughs) She didn't appreciate it, Oh, you want me to talk about him? Yeah, I would throw (laughs) plates. I would punch holes in the wall. I was screaming and slamming doors. Uh, Women can always relate to this. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, And there was a lot of gaslighting. So if I would say, if I would- Can you define gaslighting for people? To me, it's like, it's called crazy making, I guess, in the psychology world. So if I would explain how I was feeling, he would turn it. So, and make me feel like that wasn't true. Like he invalidated my feelings in such a way- So if you say I'm sad, I say, you're not sad. You're just taking this too seriously. Yeah. Okay. Or like, you're too emotional. You're You're too too sensitive. You're too emotional, Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorites that always, that always goes really well. 
I heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're just too emotional. Gosh. Yeah, as I was sobbing. Of course calm I'm down. too emotional. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to calm down and stop acting crazy. Jeez. Right. Okay. Woo. Good. Um, yeah, so it just really, it just made me question myself and doubt myself. Yeah. So I, like, in the entire marriage, I have really strong intuition, but I completely shut down my body and what it was trying to tell me. Mm. And even after I left, I couldn't make a decision to save my life. Yeah. Simple things from grocery shopping to what do I buy? So it's just my mind was so altered. Because that. you had lost contact with reality or lost contact with, I think I feel this, therefore it must be true, which is how most of us walk through life, right? I, I believe that there's coffee in my cup, so I'm going to go drink it. Okay, I drank it. It's true. But because it was explained to you so many times that there is no coffee or that's just a figment of your imagination and you just need to stop that that actually got you to a place of questioning what to buy for dinner. Yes. And I, even when I was working with my therapist afterwards, there were so many times where I didn't know what was me and what was true or yeah. kind of how he looped it where it was my fault. So I would explain so many different scenarios to her and she would ask a ton of follow-up questions. And every single time she was like, this isn't you. You're just reacting to his abuse. Cause mm -hmm. I felt like such a terrible person. Yeah. Katie, how do you define abuse? And I'm, I'm asking this, I'm not challenging what you said. And I'm not challenging that what you lived through is abuse. I want people to hear that things that we let, like I slam a door, is that abuse? I, we get in an argument and there's heated conversation that leads to yelling, is that abuse? And again, I'm not challenging your particular situation, but I'm curious if you would just shed light for people listening, especially for guys listening. Because one of the things that stops culture from shifting is us saying, but that's just how things are, right? Like everybody drinks, everybody looks at porn, everybody cheats on their wife, everybody does a little coke after the off, after five o'clock on Fridays. So when we normalize behavior, it doesn't fall into an aberrant realm. So can you talk about what you think or, or your definition of abuses for people listening? I think that's a tough one and it probably depends on the individual. For me, it was just really, I think there's just some manipulation part of it. Mm. Um, trying to see how I can define this. It's okay. I, I would imagine it's, that it's all of the above with like a system, of, not systemification, if that's a word, but it's, it's systemic, right? If, if, if you and I get in an argument and I slam the door and go huff and puff in the bedroom and be like, mm, 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 Katie. And then that happens again two years later. Then that the patterning doesn't, isn't indicative of abuse. It's indicative of a, a heightened emotional moment. But if right. there's door slamming all goddamn day, then, so you think it's more of a frequency in addition to an intensity? Yes. Okay. Yes. And just the constant invalidation of feelings. And always being the other person's fault, just not taking accountability. I think it was definitely, it was consistent. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big factor is the consistency. Yeah. Can you talk about, I want guys to hear this. Why is invalidating your feelings so damaging? I think it's just that you're feeling like what you're feeling is just not true when everyone, whatever you're feeling in the moment is valid. I think for anybody. Mm -hmm. And just invalidating that is just, you're just not having the support that you need, mm. I guess. It's kind of hard to explain how damaging it is. Yeah. 
it just kind of takes away the truth of who you are. Yeah. And what you're feeling in the moment. Yeah. I imagine too, there's like a gradient. If, if I don't believe you on this thing and I try to convince you that this thing isn't true, then it really goes down to who you are as a person is also malleable and we can question the truth of everything as opposed to saying, yeah, I, I, I get that. I don't really get how you feel, but I get that you get how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's sure. a pretty, I remember coming to that point of enlightenment of being like, huh, just because it's not true for me doesn't mean that it may not be true for other people. Right. Even though I grew up on the East Coast <laughs> where everything's logical and factual and huh, let me go sit under a tree for a month and meditate on this bucket fact. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So you, you come out of, you know, first of all, I'm really sorry that was your situation. Thank you. And I believe that it's far more common than it is uncommon. Uh, we are not, as a species, taught how to relate well, right? Again, I know the Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Never fucking used it. <laughs> Never. But yet no one, no one sat me down in high school and said, hey, you know what? When your future partner says she's feeling X and you say, no, you're not, that's really damaging. So I, I imagine that this is far more common than, than we realize. How did you come out of it? Like, what's day one? coming out of a relationship where you've been systematically like chipped away at? Oof, I felt so much relief when I left. Really? And I think that was such a validation for me that it was the right choice to make. Sure. Relief of like, can you, can you just go a little bit, one more sentence about the relief? That I was no longer stuck in this situation of unhappy and that I had a, a brighter future coming my way. Hmm. So one thing, we were living in San Diego at the time when I left him. And so I flew back to Chicago where I grew up mm -hmm. and my parents picked me up from the airport and my dad just hugged me and said, you're safe now, sweetie. Mm. And that I just melted into him yeah. because I felt that that was true. And I felt so unsafe in the marriage towards the end. Beautiful. What an image, right? To, to be captured in his arms, to find safety for me in this situation because again, and I'm, I'm specifically being kind of a pain in the ass here because I want the guy who goes, but bro, he never hit her mm -hmm. that I'm aware of, right? Or bro, he never like shot at her or assaulted her. All the things that most men would be like, oh, abusive relationship. Cool. She's getting thrown down flights of stairs and having bottles thrown at her. So when you say the word safety, can you just tease that out a little bit for the listener that's going, oh... There's more to safety than just no black eyes. Mm -hmm. Sure. So when you're, with a per when you're with your partner, you want to be able to fully be yourself and express yourself. And when you're not given that, that situation, that doesn't feel safe. Like if I can't come to you and say, hey, I'm feeling sad, or I'm going to get yelled at for it. If I get yelled at for any emotion or feelings that I have, yeah. I'm not able to be me, yeah. which everybody just wants to be seen and heard and validated, right? Yeah. And just to show up as themselves. So when you're not given a space to do so, it feels unsafe. Can so just to have someone, like even if I was just crying, if you could just hug me yeah. and hold me through it, like that's such a huge thing to do. Hey gang, we're going to pause this conversation with Katie because I want to let you know about the uncivilized nation. For you guys listening, you can't keep going it alone. 
every single day I get men reaching out saying, where are the brothers? Where are the other men on this path? How do I start this process? How do I join into something with actualized men? Well, I have an amazing membership group of just that, of just incredible, on point, on mission, on purpose men who are supporting each other in both their challenges and celebrating their wins. And if you are a man, I would love to have you join. So please go check us out at www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation. All right, back to Katie. I know I'm asking you the most fucked up loaded questions I can think of. <laughs> so bear with me. Because <laughs> I, want, I want the feelings to come across for these guys. What does it feel like to not feel safe in that situation? Hmm. It's just, for me, it was just such a feeling of loneliness and isolation mm. is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Like I'm living with my husband yet. I've never felt so alone mm. and that there was just no support around me. Right. And then I was just, I was just kind of on my own Island. Does that help? Yeah. 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 I think that's yes. And I want to go a little bit even deeper into the feeling of not safety. Is it not safe to express yourself or were you literally physically in a state of fight, flight, or freeze on some level the whole time? Both. Okay. <laughs> All of the above, I guess yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, it was a constant survival mode, I feel like. And it was yeah. just, am I going to say something that's going to upset him? And is there going to be a rage that follows after this? Yeah. So I was constantly walking on eggshells. Is rage terrifying for you? It is. Yeah. I even remember there were times like if he would reach above me to open a cabinet, I would flinch. Although he oh, never hit oh. me. Right. There was no physical abuse. But so that, that was there. Yeah. So you're, you're in this heightened state of, of that, of like fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. Yelling. You know, you've used this term a couple times and I would get yelled at, which instantly like all my flags go up of like, why the fuck are adults yelling at each other? Uh, this isn't okay. And, and yet it seems to also be a perpetuation of like, that's okay, right? And I get it. People argue. I'm not saying that all relationship challenges are these beautiful, conscious, well, I feel and hear from you that you're upset and emotional in this moment and I see you as the goddess that you are and you see me <laughs> as the king and no it's like you know what that fucking pissed me off yet mm -hmm. I would love for guys to also hear that yelling at your partner is unacceptable can you talk a little bit about how that felt sure for me so anytime I try to express myself I would be interrupted and yelled at so it's like and I felt like he would just scream so that I couldn't share my feelings anymore because it made him uncomfortable and he didn't want to take accountability for my feelings if it was something that he did that upset me. So it was just, it was silencing me really. Because mm. if you're going to yell at me, I'm not going to, I would for sure yell back at times because I just so badly wanted to express myself and <laughs> like, can you fucking listen to me for one? So um, there was a lot of yelling back and forth, but I, yeah. I couldn't get my point across because it was just, he'd get louder and louder and mm, like shout out of the down. room, slam the door. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That sounds terrible. So, yes. It's like, how can you ever express how you're feeling if you're just going to get screamed at for it? Yeah. So I reached a point where I didn't express myself anymore. Right. 
and then you're just stifled and then it's downhill from there you're it's all internalized and it's just that's what you said then it becomes unbearable like you can't live with the weight of your own thoughts and expressions stuck inside of you mm-hmm. okay so let's go back to you, your dad's hugged you what's the first thing you do the next day mm. Like to, re, to rebuild. Like, oh, to rebuild. Yeah, like so I want, I want to shift this to someone who's listening mm-hmm. who goes, oh, wow, that sounds a lot like my situation. And again, I'm not advocating anybody leave their marriage or their relationship. I am advocating saying, hey, if we can't have, if this is going nowhere, if you keep getting the door slammed in your face, then that is an option. And if it is an option, what is some of the rebuild process? Therapy was number one for me. Mm. Um, I think so many people are afraid of it, but I am a big advocate for therapy. I think even if things aren't going wrong, it's totally great to talk to someone who's not biased. Yeah. Um, and I knew, did you have a stigma around therapy beforehand or was it just like, nope, fuck it, going to therapy? Not at all. I've started therapy in college actually. Um, and I tried to get my ex-husband to go to therapy so many times. (laughs) There's a lot of begging for that. Um, so I'm all for it, but I just knew I didn't want to be miserable anymore. Like that was the reason why I left. So I was so ready to work on anything and I wanted to take action. I didn't just want to sit and talk about it. I wanted there to be action steps of what I could do to be better and find that joy again in my life. Yeah. That was the first step. What was step two? Um, I'd say for me, so I lost my job a month after I left. Uh, so I, yeah, it was just, <laughs> just throwing all the shit at me at once. Like, this is great. Um, you can handle it. Thanks universe. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Just feel free such, to kick me a little bit while I'm down here. Yeah. Such a great relationship with the universe now. Um, <laughs> so for me, what I think what really helped the most for me is because of that, I was able to sit in my pain mm. every day, <laughs> which yeah. fucking sucked. Right but I truly feel like we need to feel and feel the pain and go through it all to get through it. So, and not everyone can have that. Not everyone's going to lose their job and have all day to just sit with themselves. So I understand that, but I didn't have to say face. I didn't have to go into an office and pretend I was happy. Mm. Um, so I think that was a really huge part of my healing. Yeah. What a gift of, and for people that are like, well, I do have my job. Uh, you also can create some space to actually feel the feelings it doesn't mean that we, I had to go back to work after in my separation. It sucked. But then I'd come home and go to the bathroom floor and <laughs> ball like a baby. Uh-huh. Get, get that shit out. So beautiful. You, you, you leave, you get some separation, you get some family support, you get some professional help, and actually then don't run and hide and numb from the pain. What did the pain alchemize in you or how did you use it what did it do for you rather than people hearing this and be like oh she's just a masochist she just <laughs> she just loves that shit how, nope. how did, there's got there's got to be a purpose to it can you talk a little bit about how you used it or what you used it for yeah so i when i first left i was so focused on um just learning about emotional abuse mm. because i put so much blame on myself in the relationship so once I got through that point, then I started diving deep into all the shit that I brought into the relationship because obviously it wasn't just him. Right. Um, and so I wanted to work internally on everything that was quote unquote wrong with me. Um, and through that, I found that I also wanted to help people get past 
the pain that I went through. Yeah. Cause I always knew I wanted to help others. So I feel like going through that, learning all the tools that I did was kind of like my catalyst to what I wanted to do with my life. And I found my passion through that. Mm. So I took that pain and found that purpose. <clears throat> Good for you. Truly, like for so many people who are listening and, and thinking, uh, I'm having a challenge around my purpose. I'm like, go back to the times you woke up <laughs> face down on rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And you know, you getting yourself out of that, that's probably what you're going to end up doing helping other people, whether it's for a paycheck or just in general. Mm-hmm. Katie, how did you start to create joy? Like if we go from below zero to zero to getting back above zero, how does someone start to rebuild their inner life in addition to rebuilding their outer life? How, how did you do it? I became extremely selfish. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I did. I didn't give a shit about anybody else. <laughs> it was like, I need to be happy. I need to rediscover me. I completely lost my identity in that marriage. Yeah. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. What does that mean? I didn't know who I was without him. I was codependent as fuck. Mm. Um, I put, I disregarded all of my needs and focused on him. Yeah. And to me, that was just, I wasn't looking internally on the shit that I was dealing with. Like I was extremely insecure and had low self-esteem. Um, so I was just avoiding all of that, whatever was stirring inside of me and focused on him. Yeah. So since can I did I'm that. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in. So yeah. when, I want to go back to when people, because I want guys again to hear this. Mm-hmm. When you say like, I don't know who I am. Is it you don't know what you like and you don't know what you don't like? You don't know what you want to do in the day? Or literally you look in the mirror and don't recognize that human and, and, and ha- suss that out just one more step for me, if you would. I'd say a little bit of both. I didn't know what brought me joy because hmm. I felt like I was so attached to him and the stuff that he and I would do together that yeah. if I had a day to myself, like, what would I do? What would I do with myself? Uh-huh. Um, so there was that. And then also... I would, I, you could say that you could say that I looked at the beer and didn't know who I was. Um, but that also just ties back to not knowing what I liked and what brought joy. So, so yeah, I was, I was very selfish. (laughs) I just did anything that I wanted to, I didn't care about anybody else. Um, <laughs> I just have this image I, of you like going through Trader Joe's, like stealing shit out of people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. <No>. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't reach that level of savage right away. <laughs> there was a lot of going to the forest preserves around Chicago. Um, yeah. I needed na- nature helped me heal for sure. Mm. Um, but I did this exercise that I work with, they use with clients now, just called the happy, happiness list. Mm-hmm. And so I just write down 10 things that bring me joy, which mm. I tried to do with a friend recently and she couldn't even come up with 10. So it's, it's hard for people to right. realize what makes them happy. So every day I would do three to four of those things and make sure that I did them. And it was all about living intentionally, which I think so many, so many people just go day to day and have this routine and don't really pay attention to what they're doing with their lives. Right. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you cook dinner, you work out, you go to bed. Right. Mm. Like that's a lot of people's days, but living in You forgot a shit ton of TV. Sorry. Oh, for some people. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The numbing. I forgot the the numbing. The numbing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, So I was really focusing on what I was doing with myself every single day. Okay. And there were days where for four hours straight, I was crying and feeling mm. the pain and feeling sad. Um, and I allowed that. 
But then for the rest of the time, I would go out and find the things that brought joy. And yeah. it didn't mean it brought joy every day because I was diagnosed with depression at one point from my therapist. Yeah. But um, it was just making sure I would at least bring that stuff into my life. Yeah. So for people who just hear the exercise and may have a, a tiny bit of confusion around it, you've asked people to list 10 things that bring them joy. Can you just give a couple examples maybe from your own list? Sure. It can be super, super simple. So sunshine is one for me. Okay. So just going outside every day. Drinking my morning matcha brings me joy. And it's doing it mindfully. So it's not I'm just sipping and sipping and sipping. I'm just actually paying attention and really enjoying drinking it every day. Um, laughter mm. is one. Um, spending time with my family and friends. Journaling, meditating. Yeah. So it can be simple stuff. It doesn't have to be huge. Beautiful. And so this is, this is the rebuild process actually in mm -hmm. my mind. When people actually sit down and do get intentional, right? Uh, I've asked a number of guys the same. I'm like, well, what turns you on? What lights you up? And they're like, I don't know. Like, okay, that's your path. Before you get in a relationship with another woman, you've got to know what turns you on and not just bedroom-wise, but life-wise first. Otherwise, that person's just going to get glommed onto. Like, whoosh, we got him. Good. I'm happy <laughs> when I'm with her. Okay. Welcome to a disaster a year from now, right? Mm -hmm. All the enmeshment. <laughs> oh, just beautiful. And I don't know. I'm happy when she's happy. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Then, so that, that starts you on the path. What's the next step? I then worked with a life coach um, to really, so I was working with my, ther my therapist this whole time, more on like the trauma from the marriage uh, but then I still felt stuck in life where I just didn't know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. I knew I didn't want to be in Chicago. I knew that for years and I just couldn't decide where I wanted to move to. Um, so there was just a lot of not taking action at one point. Mm. So I worked with a life coach and we did this, uh, best possible future self exercise. So yeah. I'd write out for three days straight for 15 to 20 minutes. I would write my future and how I wanted to look with career, my day-to-day -day with a relationship. And after doing that exercise, um, that was the first time I felt hope for my future in a very long time. So I was like, wow, I could have this life that I dream about. Wow. What, what stops people from doing that exercise? And then in your opinion and your practice with your clients, what stops people from taking action on that list? I think they're two very different mm -hmm. uh, ideas there. I think people don't do the exercise because they don't truly believe they could have the life that they want. Yeah. And then and why is that? I think just a lot of self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. Like, why do I, des I don't deserve this. Who am right. I to want this type of life? Mm -hmm. It could be a number of things. And then what stops people from taking action is they just see this big picture, but they don't yeah. break it down into little steps of how they can get there. Right. And I think that's huge. So I, a lot of times I'll work with clients and I use the six list it's called. Yeah. So they just take one thing that they want to do and they break it down into six tiny action steps to get there. Yeah. So I think that helps people. Amazing. What was your first step of that list mm. or of that? You, I term? remember my first step. Um, I joined a life coach program. To become one. Because, to become one because yeah. I knew I didn't want to be in the career that I was in forever. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for me. That's a big step, right? Yep. It's a really big step. And would you say, I, I don't want to ask, a, I'm going to fucking ask it. 
Would you say you're past the trauma of the abusive relationship or does one ever get past the trauma of an abusive relationship? I would say yes. And there are still moments that bubble up inside. Um, But when I do think about the past, it's not so much him and what he did or his behavior. It's more, I feel so sorry for the girl who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what gets me the most. And so when I see it in other women, I just have so much empathy for them because I know exactly what it feels like to be where they're at. Mm -hmm. And so much compassion, huh? Mm -hmm. And is it that they're, I don't want to keep harping on the same question, but is it, is it, they're just stuck in a loop or they don't know there's a way out? What would you say the main impetus is that people stay in abusive relationships? I don't think people realize they're in them. I think there's a lot of denial. I didn't either. Like I didn't know until the very end of my marriage that it was abusive. Is that like Um, the boiling the frog theory? Is that, it just mm-hmm. happened a little bit and a little bit yeah or is it that so. you just didn't know and then at the end you got some insight and it's like i knew that we had a toxic relationship yeah i didn't know how bad it was yeah. i i always had so much hope for change uh, <laughs> and not just changing him but just changing the dynamic of our relationship yeah because i was constantly working on myself at the time and just mm. the difference was he wasn't right um so yeah i just i just don't think women realize or men realize that they're in that situation it's like, okay, this doesn't feel good, but like, what's so bad about it? And even when I realized it was abusive towards the end, I felt like I needed someone to validate that for me as well. Like I, we started seeing a therapist and I even talked to him about, about it first. It was like, Hey, I need to know that this is abuse. So I, I, I needed that before I even left. Yeah. He never said, he never gave that to me. Um, the therapist. The therapist, yeah. yeah. So I reached it on my own, but I still was like constantly, like I needed an excuse to leave, I guess. Mm. It's just or, my misery wasn't enough. Or permission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I talk to a lot of guys who I will say, I say right to them, you're in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that women are more abusive than men or that that's not a giant piece of the pie. I think the challenge with guys is, is using that word at all. It's like, well, I can't be, I'm the guy, right? Or I can't be, she doesn't hit me or she doesn't throw things at me. Even in the, the, um, in that, in the book, why does he do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the author saying like, well, if a woman slaps a man in the face, it's not abuse. And that's an author of a major, major book on abuse. And I went, holy shit, even at this, even at this level, it's denied. Mm-hmm. Do you think that one of the main reasons women don't realize is because if they did, they would have to do something? Yes. I think it's so scary to have to leave a relationship. Yeah. And so many women just need that external validation from men. And I know men need it too from women. Sure. Or think they need it, right? Right. And so, and a lot of times, so many people think that once you're in a relationship, even if it's bad, like you're, you kind of have your life together, right? Like, oh, you're good enough to be in a relationship. Someone loves you, uh, which I think is total bullshit, but <laughs> I get it. Why. How do you, you know, really society, feel about that? <laughs> society makes it feel that way, right? Like, oh, she's married. She's good. Someone loves her. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a whole, we can dive down that wormhole mm, for a bit. It's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Katie, then, then how have you, for people listening, would you, Give people a little bit of hope. Like what does the other side of the coin look like? And even if that's not in a new relationship, can you just describe what it's like to be on your own, live on your own and exist 
in a state of of non-relational peace, joy, happiness, etc. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> you can get to a place where you find so much joy and gratitude in in the mundane, even. I feel yeah. like I've reached that point. Um, you can be so happy on your own. It's it's just really loving yourself and finding who you are, which I think so many people lose that at such a young age. I definitely did. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think that's just one thing that I'm constantly talking about with clients is like, you can have what you want. It's out mm-hmm. there. You mm-hmm. just need to take the first step to get away from the toxicity and go grab what you want. Katie, if you could speak to the men listening to you in relationship, out of relationship, single, et cetera, about the nature of relationship and about the nature of abuse in relationship, what would you say to them? Hmm. I think it's mostly for men. Don't be afraid to feel. I think I I feel for you guys of society saying like, you can't cry. You can't feel, be tough, be a man. I understand of how much pressure that was put on you guys, but it's safe. Like we want you to feel, we want to feel you. I think that's the biggest thing. And then what would you say to women? Uh, it's like, I just want to say love yourself, but that's such a <laughs> loaded statement. Yeah. Um, you can be in the relationship that you want. There are wonderful men out there who are <laughs> working on themselves and who do respect and love women. Uh, for sure. They'll treat you like you deserve to be treated. For sure. Thank you. Then thanks for sharing your personal story so much. I know no, these things aren't the easiest to just throw out there for the world or the world to hear. Uh, where do people find more of you that are, if women listen to this, like, okay, I really want to work with her. I really want to get more of her. Where do you hang out? I am mostly on Instagram at katie.sroka. How do you spell that? K-A-T-I-E dot S-R-O-K-A. Beautiful. And if people have questions or are curious, you're, you're, they're welcome to reach out to you? Yeah, of course. Amazing. 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 Well, thank you again for coming on. This has been really insightful and I know it's going to shift people's ideas around what is abuse, what's not abuse. And I think just having that Katie of having the bar set at a point that requires everybody to have to work through some of their shit is how we evolve the nature of relationship moving forward. Right? So the first time a guy quote, and I'm just going to gender stereotype this yells at his partner and she goes, oh, no, 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 I'm so sorry. Uh, nobody yells at me. And he's like, oh, fuck. Okay, now I have to figure out another skill set <laughs> or figure out why, what about me was coming up and out in that explosion. Then, then it actually makes the work happen. And I'm not saying that anybody is to blame for the nature of relationship, and yet we're all complicit in our own relationships being where they are. And so I think just having this description out in the world and people getting to hear it and go, oh, wow, I can really relate to her story uh, is going to be very helpful. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's have with you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.